Hey, I'm Chris Lamb. This is the Money Hole Podcast. The good, the bad, and the ugly of the pursuit to fulfillment. Please remember to like, subscribe, download, and give us a five-star review. I'm here with my good friend, Fabiano Altamura. Hey, bro. How you doing? I'm good. Thanks for being here. Fab, we've known each other a while now. Dude, it's been, I think I had my first conversation with you in 2013 when I was looking at buying my first house in Redding, California. Yeah. And uh, we've really just become good friends in the last couple of years. We have. We yeah. Have. Well, there's still not a lot that I know about your past. So mm. I have a couple of questions for you. Great. Fire um, the first thing that I would love to know is a little bit about where you were raised mm -hmm. and specifically your family and the area. Yeah. So I was raised two hours north of London in a place called Sheffield, kind of like mid to north of England. And I was raised by two Italian parents. My mum came to the UK when she was six. My dad came when he was 18. Um, I'm the only child. Um, and basically they raised me kind of in an Italian English culture. I mean, my dad literally came from 10 siblings. Wow. He had hardly any money. His dad had to work in Belgium to f provide for the family. They lived in this tiny house, galley style. Your, your parents? My, my grandparents, okay. where he was raised. So they had hardly any money, so he had to live with his grandfather. My dad came over as a consummate artist. He learned how to become a world-class hairdresser and like owned his own shop at 16. And then to avoid national service, which is like going into the military, mm -hmm. he came to the UK, set up his own business and um, had a very successful business and then got into real estate. And I was kind of brought up with this, with his client base that were very affluent. Mm -hmm. And I think um, I, I was brought up, I would say, even though we weren't wealthy, wealthy, we were brought up, I was brought up very privileged. I went to private school and had a great group of friends. And that's kind of my, my upbringing. Okay. So what was, did, did your parents buy real estate? Like when were you, I know you, you, you owned real estate there. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I love about you and I, I always think about is how mm -hmm. you came here. And one of the first things you did is you started investing in real estate. So mm -hmm. is that something that you were exposed to from your parents or? Yeah, it was like my dad, I think he, 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 he bought his first house for 3000 pounds, which was probably about $6,000 at the time. And what he did was he would rent out rooms to pay off the mortgage. So he paid off this mortgage really quick. And then once he paid that off, he bought another house and the rent he got from the house that he paid off, he snowballed into the other house, kind of like what Dave Ramsey does. Yep. Right. And I think from there, I, I just got very interested in, in business. I remember my first intro to business. I was like 12 or 13 at school. And my friend had one of these handheld like water warmers. Mm -hmm. And he would start going around at like lunch break saying, listen, I've got some tea bags. If you get some water, mm -hmm. I'll heat it up and give you a tea bag. And we charge them like 50 pence to, wow. for a cup of tea. So I remember going up to him going, listen, I'll give you £2.50 for 50% of your business. <laughs> and that was my kind of first intro to business. But then just seeing my dad buy and develop real estate was something that I really had a passion to want to do. What was it? Was it the the passive income and just the, the freedom or was it real estate itself? My dad always said that real estate, a, a mixture of both. Okay. I mean, my dad said that, that real estate was always a pension scheme. 
Mm-hmm. Like, you know what it's like in real estate. There are many different models that you yeah. can employ. It doesn't just have to be a pension scheme. You can flip them. You can hold them. You can you can do whatever you want. You can go large scale. But what I always love was the fact of the passivity of the income. I mean, it's not 100% passive, but it's it's largely passive. Yeah. Um, but I just love the idea of the design aspect. Yep. And I think for me at the time, it was, it was a bit of a status symbol. Yeah. Because owning real estate and multiple, multiple, you know, into the double figures, um, kind of made me feel inside like it gave me some level of worth and value. Gotcha. So yeah, that makes sense. Um, that's no different than a lot of people, you know, when they're buying their first few rentals, I, I think it's almost a status symbol for a lot of people in America when they Mm -hmm. buy a house for the first time, they post it and tell everybody they bought a house. Well, the truth is, is you bought a 10th of a house. The Mm -hmm. bank owns the rest. Right, right. I remember when I bought my first house, I was, Mm -hmm. there, there definitely is this sense of accomplishment, especially if you come from a family like I came from where Mm -hmm. I didn't, my parents had nothing. I, you know, we were pretty broke. And no one in my family owned homes, you know, mm-hmm. so it definitely is something to be proud of. So to, one of the things that I, I don't know if you've seen this, but being in the mortgage industry for 22 years is that when people come here from another nation, they, yeah. you know, foreigners from almost anywhere, it seems like they have a clearer picture of the opportunity that exists here, not just in real estate, but just in anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and even now, you know, right now, 2023, people are uncertain about homes, rates are higher. There are still people that come here. Uh, I've had clients from, you know, Vietnam, for example, who come here, super grateful to be in America. They, they start their own business. They work super hard, you know, live in a house with their whole family, save everything they get. They stay out of debt. They build their credit. And within five years, they've got five to 10 houses, right? And I've seen that time and time again, where a lot of a lot of us who have lived here, and you know, we've just kind of been raised in this system. We don't see the opportunity as clearly. Yeah. And so, you know, was that your experience when you came here and you saw how the financial system works, how debt works? That exactly was exactly what I saw. I don't think I would have known how to do that if I hadn't first done it in the UK. Okay. So I think when I bought my first house, just backtracking a little bit, I did a movie which gave me enough money to put my down payment on my first house, right? And then I started to navigate what the banking system, the mortgage system, the financial system was like in the UK and how to leverage that because I was self-employed, right? So like as an actor or as a hairdresser or whatever, I didn't have like the books. So I had to navigate and understand how to be creatively savvy with products, mortgage products. Not illegally, of course, but you know what I'm saying. Yes. Um, you need to know how to how to work the system and benefit with the system. So when I came here, the first thing I asked myself is, what's different in the property market in the US? And one thing that I noticed was multifamily. Mm-hmm. Like you could not do that in the UK. But what I noticed here was, oh, wow. So I can get two properties, three properties, four properties for the price of a single dwelling. Yeah. Yet in that one transaction, I've got between two, three, and four streams of income. Right. And I was like, that I don't know why that doesn't make sense. Who's is any somebody not noticing this? Are you telling me that why are people not buying all these multifamilies up? And right. I think it was a little bit slower back in two thousand. Oh, it was. 
for sure. You know, I mean, you're buying, you're buying fourplexes for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. That's fifty thousand, sixty five thousand dollars a unit. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. So what I try to do every single time I could buy anything was to buy multifamily. Mm-hmm. And I tried so many ways, dude, to get mortgages in the UK to fund me here. <laughs> nothing would happen. Nothing would happen. But I found a way to build credit without having my permanent visa. And I don't know if it was right opportunity or whatever, or I, but I just managed to do it. And yeah. some of the ones that I did were owner carries. Mm-hmm. So, and some of them fell through, but like I, I started to navigate as well. Oh, you guys have a system where you can do an owner carry. Yeah. In the UK, it's the most draconian system that there possibly is really draconian like ridiculous and here i thought wow the opportunity feels much more for the in- investor entrepreneur yeah than the uk does yeah and that's what i i loved about being here was the fact that it was for business and not against business yep yeah so we see that a lot i mean one of the things that a lot of people that are processing buying real estate are thinking about is risk mm-hmm. and you know, what, what we try to do with people is, I mean, whether it's a client or a family member that's thinking about buying their first house is help them understand the difference between the way they feel and the logic about what it means to buy real estate. For example, I mean, if you're buying out your first house and you only have to put three to 5% down, you know, the bank is taking 95, maybe 97% of the risk. Right, scam. And from what I understand in a lot of other countries, there's a lot of countries, they don't even have a mortgage. You have to pay cash. And and a lot of the countries that have mortgages, I mean, it's a completely different scenario. It's more money down, higher rates. And so, you know, for a lot of people, they don't really think about the risk because again, people that have grown up in this system, they just have a different perspective. And so, you know, I've had a lot of those experiences with people that have moved here and their perspective has helped me see the opportunity Mm -hmm way clearer because of what they have done in such a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think, I think being in the U S is just, I I mean, I love this country. Right. And I think that the opportunity it's afforded us to start again, because I mean, like I, I, I came here, I didn't work for four years with a family of four kids in private school, rental property, unable to work. So I had to liquidate my flat in London, my main residence, two, three other properties. I'm talking like we probably got rid of at least $1.2, million worth of property. Okay, there was a few mortgages on that. But then that money that we bought over, whatever it was, which was still high, had to support us. Mm-hmm. And I think if I hadn't, if I hadn't have been a decent steward of those investments, we couldn't have moved into what God was calling us into this next season. I mean, we could have done... And it doesn't mean it still wasn't hard and still a struggle, but if I hadn't had those investments back in the UK, I wouldn't have been able to do what I've done now. So one of the things that I, I've been in the mortgage business for 22 years and I've seen, I've seen people fail and I've seen people succeed. Um, One of the things that I've noticed is when people try to win fast Mm. in the game of investing you know, property flipping, acquiring a lot of real estate all at once instead of really just having a a methodical approach. I'm not saying people can't do it fast. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have seen people put themselves in a bad position where, you know, a market turns and all of a sudden they're not able to 
that service their properties. Yeah. On the flip side, I've seen people who, like I said, who started with a little, they built momentum, their cash flow allowed them slowly over time. And one of the things I, I hear a lot is people overestimate what they can do in a year, but they underestimate what they can do in 10 years. Mm-hmm. Because as you acquire real estate, you know, it, there's a compound interest to that, just like there would be in a stock market right. because of cash flow. Mm-hmm. So what would you say have been some of the best experiences you've had or how has your journey in real estate, uh, you know, blessed your family's life up to this point? Obviously, I know you're still investing. Mm-hmm. It's still mm-hmm. something you're doing, but mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about what it's done for you guys since you started. I think what it what it did was when we got, approved to buy our first home here your primary primary residence that for me was like wow i sold my primary res in the uk was on the market for 18 months and then when it sold negotiating the deal of my primary residence was one of the hardest deals i've ever had to negotiate Mm -hmm. and i think winning that and having a home, which gave us like a place to be here, even though we didn't have our green card at the time, being able to call it home and being able to have a place where we can raise our family and kids and for them to call it home. I think that is one of the biggest highlights mm. of being able, yeah. you know what I mean? I, do. I had other investment properties before yeah. I had that home, yeah. but being able to buy my first primary res, that was a huge thing. Oh yeah. Big like, oh, we're in America for good now. Yep. You know? Yep. What would would you say some things that you learned along the way? I don't want to call them failures, but things that you wish you would have done different or, you know, lessons you learned along the way with this journey. Yeah. I mean, I like to look at it as stewardship, right? Yeah. And I think for me, having done my first, because I'm an actor as well, as you know, but like I did my first Hollywood movie, which gave me a really decent payout, most money I'd ever seen. And I think that lifestyle was very, very teasing and tempting. Mm -hmm. So I'd buy a property, I'd buy another. And it was in 2002 when it was like printing money. Yeah, It was like just a boom like we'd never seen. I'd buy a property with like seven grand down. Crazy. And these properties are way crazy amounts of money now. But at the time, you know, you're talking like 21 years ago, Mm -hmm. I was making so much money a month just on the appreciation. Right. So, you know, you get to 10 properties and you're looking like, wow, this is decent, maybe 15. And um, 2008 hits. Right. And I was using my properties to fund a lifestyle that was not sustainable. Right. You know, buying Jags, Beamers, you know, over leveraging on properties to go on exotic vacations. Because I think for me, money was tied to my identity. Right. You know, I would definitely was in a money hole. <laughs> And I wasn't whole. Yeah. Yep. And I remember 2008 hits and I'm like, I have no idea how I'm going to pay the mortgages. Yeah. And it was literally that flip. And I said, Lord, I'll never make the same mistake again. If you help me get through this and he helped me go through it. And I, I had to go and buy my dad's business and work in something I said I'd never do, which would be a hairdresser and start a business all over again. And I think for me, that was the hardest time, but I believe it was the most fruitful time because even though I didn't learn everything in that, I learned enough that was like, it's about steward, stewarding wealth, not spending wealth. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that's such a common thing, right? I mean, I, I think that, 
you you think about football players who get these big sign-on bonuses and mm-hmm. squander it all, you know, with Lamborghinis and mansions their right. first year, people that win the lottery. Um, you know, most people know that, or they've heard that having money doesn't make you happy. Mm-hmm. But it's weird how we may know that up here, but we still sometimes believe the fantasy that if I, mm-hmm. if only this, then I would be at peace, happy. And, you know, what's interesting for a lot of people is when they get to a place where they have some sort of security, uh, you know, a a rental house, 10 rental houses Mm -hmm. that they realize like, wait a minute, this isn't actually what I thought it would be. And, you know, hopefully people get to that point where they, they begin to understand it's not a bad thing to have money. I, I was, there was a point in my life where I thought having money was, was not okay. I was in a church that I just, that was a belief system I had. And so what happened for me was by actually accumulating wealth and seeing, you know, the good and the bad of it. Mm-hmm. I ha- I saw a lot of people who lost everything because they made poor decisions. Right. Yeah. And I saw people who lived frugally and below their means and were generous. And you know, being in the mortgage industry, I was I just kind of had this lab mm-hmm. where I was consistently being able to see the fruit of people's lives. Yeah up close and personal. When you look at people's taxes and bank statements and you see how many years they stay married and you see their kids, I mean, without even knowing it, I was I was learning how people steward money affects the mm-hmm. quality of their hearts, their lives, mm-hmm. their kids' lives. And so, you know, it's a common story what you're sharing. It's mm-hmm. really cool to hear what it did for you. Well, I still think I'm still learning it now, right? I mean, like there's still areas where I'm like, wow, that's that's really not good stewardship. And I think it's one of those things that like sometimes in stewardship, you go in denial mode. Yeah. And you go, I don't want to look at it. It'll it'll work it out. But it, it it's just not not how it works. And I think still now at gonna be 48, I'm still learning the stewardship model. Because I think it does, you're right, it exposes what's in your heart. Yeah. And I still think you bring things into your 30s, into your 40s that you're trying to overcome and try and mm-hmm. relearn. But dude, sometimes it really takes it takes a, a bit of time, you know? So what do you think the, uh, the word wholeness means? Um, specifically, um, thinking about all the pillars of our life, you know, because again, we talked about how money is, it's such an important part and Mm -hmm. and people go to extremes there. It's either all focused on that or they deny that part of their life Mm -hmm. and it affects their life. Right. What does that mean to you? I think wholeness for me is like, you know, I believe humans creating God's image of mind, body, and spirit. Right. Mm -hmm. I think it's, I think it's, it's understanding who I am that is it's a really good question, dude, actually. I think I'm struggling on this one. I'm like, I but I'm asking, but, but it's good. I'm, I'm processing with you. I think wholeness is this. It's like, it's not just about what I, I own. It's about who I am. Mm. And I think being who I am is so important. I define myself personally of who I am in God. And I think that he, he is what defines me. He mm-hmm. truly defines me because I think, listen, everything is his. Mm-hmm. And when I look at the scope of time and I think, listen, we're in such a unique privileged position where we live right now, but we're, we're a, a microcosm in the universe. And I think what I think wholeness is, is, is how I conduct myself with others, how I relate to others, how I treat them, how I bring up my family. If I can have a positive impact on the people around me, 
with my finances and with who as I am as a person, mm-hmm. I believe that's a pretty cool definition of wholeness yeah. because I want to see people around me thrive yeah. because of who I am. Right. Investing in people, right? It's not yes. just about investing money. It's about yeah. investing in people. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that when people, when your definition of wealth and riches is that it gives you the ability to have options and have financial freedom to where you really, you're, you know, someone doesn't have to work 80 hours a week or right. they can, they can make decisions to create their own business and, you know, go to their kids' soccer games, be engaged with people more. I mean, that's, that's really what we're all after. I mean, mm, yeah, beautiful. Yeah. So money hole, mm-hmm. um, hole spelled with a W. Mm-hmm. What does this mean to you? I think it means that my approach to, to money and resources is a healthy one in the sense that it doesn't own me. Yeah. I get to steward it. I'm not defined by it, but I get to choose what to do with it and bless people with it. Right. Yeah. Because I think that stuff is not the total sum of who I am. Money is just a tool to buy freedom, to, to provide resources and to bless people with. Right. That's what it means to me. So one of the things that I think about often is the four motivators for, for most people. The first one's the most basic, right? It's survival. Yep. I need to put food on the table. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's super motivating. I've got kids at home. I'm going to work really hard to take care of them. Most people yep. that they don't even have to think about that. Yep. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people don't make it past that one. But if they do, the second one is stuff. Mm. I'd like to go on that trip to Hawaii that my mom never was able to take me on. That's a true one for me. I, I'm, I'm Hawaiian. I don't know if you know that or not, but the, the first time I went to Hawaii, my family were all, were, were all raised there was once I was able to afford it, mm-hmm. you know, and whatever the nice car there's, you want to have some stuff, right? Yeah. But if anyone acquires stuff at some point, they realize, wait a minute, I have to insure it. I have to have gr- yep. a garage space for it. I have to clean it. And it ends up sort of owning you. And you start realizing like, wow, this actually doesn't make me happy. It doesn't right. give me what I thought I wanted. Mm-hmm. And so the third one, and and you saw this early and, and some people never see this is I don't want to work this hard my whole life. How do I find a way where I can create passive income so that I can be free financially? Yeah. Because I would like to have more options. I would like to make more memories with the people I care about the most. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, that begins that process that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. And then the last one is is legacy and you know this is this is one of the coolest ones and it's where you actually get to start teaching people how to do that yeah because you you've gotten some knowledge you've got some experience you've you've proven to yourself and to others that this way works Mm -hmm. and you begin to have people asking questions and you start seeing it work for others yeah yeah it's good man